Welcome to the Bloomberg PL Podcast. I'm Pim Fox, along with my co-host, Lisa Abramowitz. Each day, we bring you the most important, noteworthy, and useful interviews for you and your money, whether you're at the grocery store or the trading floor. Find the Bloomberg PL Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Bloomberg.com. Time to bring in Dave Wilson, Bloomberg Stocks columnist and editor. Also, you can reach Dave at uh, dwilson, bloomberg.net. Dave, uh, what are you looking at uh, in stocks? And I also want to bring in uh, Matthew Bosler. He is our expert when it comes to the Federal Reserve, a Bloomberg News reporter. Matt, thanks for being here. I know we're getting ready for uh, Jerome Powell's uh, first uh, presentation before uh, Congress. He'll be speaking before the House uh, today and uh, the House Committee. And then on uh, Thursday, he speaks before the Senate a Banking Committee. And Dave Wilson, any reaction to stocks uh, based on this? Really more stock-specific news, I would imagine, right now. Right, a lack of reaction. I mean, let's face it, we've had a market that this month has been all over the place, especially relative to where it had been in the past year and a half or so. And today, you're really seeing things kind of settling out. No doubt a lot of people will be tuned in to what uh, Fed Chair Powell has to say. Now, we already know at least the written portion of the testimony then becomes a matter of what kind of questions does he get and what kind of answers does he provide and does he really shed light on where monetary policy is headed from here. I mean, you've got the S&P 500 in a quarter of a percent range so far today. That's nothing compared to what we've seen over the past three or four weeks. All right, Matt, uh, if you could ask Jay Powell three questions, what would they be? Okay, so I think the three big questions all have to do with inflation. So the first one is, you know, what are you seeing in the inflation outlook? That's probably the easiest one to answer because he's probably just going to, you know, convey confidence that it's going back up to the 2% target after some, you know, transitory uh, factors kept it down last year. Um, The two bigger questions, I think, on the inflation front are, A, how do you feel about all of this chatter about potentially changing the Fed's inflation target to something other than 2%, maybe, you know, transitioning to either a higher inflation target or more of a price level targeting regime where you make up for past misses on your inflation target. Uh, That's a a conversation that's been brewing, but we haven't really heard from uh, Jay Powell on that yet. So, um, you know, we'd expect him to stake out a position on that. And then the other big question um, regarding inflation, which probably is even more topical, is how does he view the inflationary effects of this fiscal stimulus that um, we've just gotten now over the last few months? This is already starting to become politicized, this inflation question a little bit, it seems like. Um, Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin last week said that um, you know, he thinks that uh, the White House's policies are going to be able to raise wage growth without raising uh, consumer price inflation. And then last night again, he said, you know, the Fed uh, will do a good job managing inflation. So it's very interesting uh, to to kind of yeah. hear from Powell how, how they're they're looking at that right now. Pim, did you ever think that you would live in an era when inflation was a political issue? Well, I mean, as someone that I mean, can remember inflation uh, and, well, and, and the years sure. of Paul Volcker, yeah. Well, I end up, your point is well taken. Let's put it that way. It's back. Yeah. It's been a while. It's been yeah. it's no been question. a while. It's it, it, it's been a while. Although I I would just offer that for those that actually have to 
pay for things like food and energy. Uh, Fair enough. Inflation has never left my. And of course, what you're talking about now, even if it's a higher target, two and a half percent by the standards of the late '70s and early '80s, you never would have seen Paul Volcker take the steps that he had to as Fed chair if indeed inflation was that low back then. All right. So I've been listening to uh, a lot of commentators talking about Fed uh, Chair Jay Powell's speech, and I've been reading a lot of analyst notes. I'm wondering, Dave, what could Powell say that would move markets? Well, it really comes down to, you know, do you see anything that really changes here from the course that has been laid out under his uh, predecessor, Janet Yellen? I mean, that's that's what it comes down to. I mean, there, there is some anticipation that we're going to get more rate increases down the line that, you know, they're going to stick with perhaps the quarter point uh, at a time pace that we've seen, you know, for the past several years, you have to go back a couple of decades to see the last time that the Fed moved more than a quarter of a point in a single policy decision. So, you know, and, and it almost looks like they're trying to keep things, you know, kind of damped down. So you're, you're not going to get that sort of uh, uh, an unpleasant surprise for markets, at least. Matt, uh, I was looking for three. Did I miss them? There were three questions. You right? missed one, them. I missed them. Right? I inflation. Three. All right, inflation. Well, inflation I counted as one. Inflation, really. inflation, and inflation. And inflation, yeah, right? Yeah, that's, exactly. That's really the three, right, questions. three takes on one subject. <laughs> Anything else? So, um, you know, the, again, it goes to how they're looking at this fiscal stimulus. Does it change the outlook for rate increases this year at all? So far, they're saying no. They're sticking with three. But if you recall, back when they started raising rates in December 2015, the original plan was to go four times a year, not three times a year. And then we had 2016, all of the market turmoil, they only went once. And then in 2017, they got back up to three. Now they're saying three again for 2018. Um, you know, at what point, what do they need to see to kind of get them back on that track for four this year, um, that original plan? Um, and so I think the fiscal stimulus conversation might help tease that out a little bit. And then the other thing is, of course, financial markets, right? Elevated asset valuations, uh, easy financial conditions. Um, how are they looking at that, uh, both in terms of what is the impulse to economic growth that we're likely to see from that? And also, is there any sort of um, you know, concerns about financial stability. Um, so far, what we've gotten in his prepared remarks seem to indicate that the financial conditions impulse to growth is still, um, you know, a reason we should expect a pickup this year. Uh, not much on the financial stability front yet, but I, I assume we'll hear about that as well. How about financial regulations, particularly when it comes to regulating banks that are not these too big to fail banks, but the banks that fall under those regulations, but don't necessarily have the wherewithal and the financial capacity to spend lots of money dealing with those new regulations? Right. So, I mean, this is always a favorite topic of Congress for obvious reasons in these testimonies. The The new thing is that now we have a, a vice chair for supervision who is supposed to go and testify on these these matters specifically. So it's unclear um, how much of that we're going to hear today now that we sort of have a dedicated uh, testimony for those issues going forward. But do you think that this will mean that the banks will be at least a little bit less fettered when it comes to raising dividends or doing share buybacks for their shareholders? Because that was always the issue is you had to go to the Federal Reserve, you had to ask almost permission, can we, in, you know, can we give out a dividend and can we increase the dividend? 
Yeah, I think that's a really good question, and I don't think we know yet. You know, obviously coming into, um, you know, some of this leadership change at the Fed with, you know, bringing the new uh, Trump administration picks on board, there was definitely a sentiment that this was going to be good for the banks and there was going to be a lot of deregulation. But uh, since Randy Coral started, uh, I think we've seen a little bit more nuance on that front, and it's not clear, you know, how dramatic uh, those changes are going to be. I think they're still trying to kind of work through some of that and figure that out. So I think at this point, we, we just don't know. Dave, what's the likelihood that Chair Powell goes rogue? Minimal at best. <laughs> well, I mean, we know about the like Bernanke taper tantrum and Chair Yellen actually answered a question of how long uh, you know, eventually was, or, you know, and, and just, you know, you don't you know, answer the question. Could he make a similar mistake? I mean, come on. It's his first time before Congress in this position. But he's there, held, he's held many positions previously. Absolutely. I mean, under secretary for the treasury for domestic finance. But he's been uh, quiet. He's been a quiet member. Well, he may, he may have been a quiet member on the federal reserve board, but I mean, you know, he's a lawyer by training and, uh, he has, uh, extensive experience in, uh, corporate matters. And he's, I don't think that he's going to, you know, be undone by being before the, uh, Senate, the, uh, the Senate and the house committee. If you want to look for a surprise, Lisa, why don't you look at what's going on with fed funds futures? Because if you go out to December you find something interesting. You, you add up all the probabilities. You see about a 30% chance that you'll get more than three rate increases this year. And if you look at, you know, just the, the three camp, it's about 37%, uh, about 34% looking for less than three. So it's a pretty even split. But there is a significant minority view uh, as expressed in the prices of December contracts on Fed funds, that you will get more than three rate increases this year. And we'll see if the market's right on that score. I don't know whether this is something that is also a, a feature of his uh, experience, but you know he was involved in the negotiations to bring Warren Buffett in as an investor in Solomon Brothers uh, during the uh, the scandal and the, the subsequent financial problems that the investment bank had. This goes back to those uh, issues related to the false bids for uh, U.S. Treasury securities. He's been around the block a time or two, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely, that's a little bit before my time. But. I, uh, that clearly. is my time. Thank <laughs> well, you. and I, and I only and I raise that because you know if you have those kinds of relationships uh, in your past, they may serve you very well at times of market turmoil. And I wonder whether one of the questions is going to be what kinds of actions would you take for dealing with the next recession? Because it, there will be one. I just don't know when. Yeah, and I mean, that's kind of been another interesting topic of discussion. I think, you know, a lot of people at the Fed are frustrated by, you know, what they see as uh, sort of being limited on that front. Certainly 13C3, the ability to uh, bail out firms in trouble is something that, um, you know, Congress restricted uh, their ability to do after the crisis. So it'll be interesting to see if that comes up at all. And, and if, if uh, Jay Powell, you know, tries to make a more forceful case for for expanding that remit a little bit again. Are yeah. you expecting uh, any sense, Matt, that uh, the House members are going to try to get Chair Powell to talk about the political implications of the tax cuts, what, how they're going to respond to basically get him to say something that they could use as ammunition uh, against either President Trump or against uh, Chair Powell as possibly acting more in order to continue the growth of the current administration than act in a financially prudent way. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's the big question here, right? I mean, I think, you know, this is the thing we've been talking about for the last year or so now. How is the Fed going to respond uh, to these, to these, this fiscal stimulus that we got? And, you know, to Dave's point on the Fed funds futures, there, there is now a significant probability baked into the markets that they go more than three times this year. So uh, I think for, for Jay today, it's like that's not something that you really need to establish right now. You can kind of wait until later in the year, and if you want to end up going four times, you can do it then. He probably doesn't want to make too strong a statement about the need for more rate hikes this year because you can imagine the headlines, you know, his first public appearance as Fed chair, here he is talking about speeding up rate hikes because of fiscal stimulus. You know what I mean? That might not uh, be the most desirable outcome. So we'll, we'll see what he says. Well, and just to uh, offer this color for his background, uh, previously worked at Dylan Reed, the uh, leveraged buyout and private equity firm, also a partner at the former partner at the Carlisle Group and uh, estimated net worth of uh, more than $100 million. So uh, currently making him uh, the, uh, I guess, the wealthiest member of the uh, the. Board of Governors of the Federal Reserve. So, not just bad. To, well, not bad, and uh, I guess uh, truly earned. But to, just to give that as a perspective, we always like to know a little bit of the background of who it is that uh, is assuming these uh, positions. You, you have any idea that uh, he's going to be an advocate for fewer regulations when it comes to the financial system? I don't know how much appetite there is for that, really. I mean, I think, like, certainly on the margins, there are things they've talked about, you know, like relaxing the Volcker rule and, you know, maybe loosening up some of the uh, the, the Basel, uh, the, the gold plating uh, on some of the, the Basel standards. Um, and then, of course, you know, loosening up regulations on community banks. But, you know, those are all things that everybody seems to, you know, have been in agreement on for a while now, and we're just kind of waiting for action. So... Uh, I think there's a question of do we get much more than that and, and does it really end up looking so dramatic in the end? You know, there was something that caught my eye uh, this morning. There was a chart that Torsten Slock of Deutsche Bank put out there uh, that's sort of in the backdrop as we await for the uh, Federal Reserve to decide what to do with interest rates, which is the amount of debt that the U.S. has and the average maturity of it. And it is the lowest or the shortest average maturity among its peers. And this is troubling to me. And uh, I'd love your your view of this, Matt, but I wonder how much this is weighing also on the Fed because it's short-term debt. All the other nations have locked in these lower rates. The U.S. has uh, actually has to uh, lock in some higher rates now. How much does this weigh on what the Fed uh, does or says? Well, in terms of, you know, the interest costs, I don't think I don't think it's really something that they they care about much at all. You know, they would say they're independent of the Treasury. They're going to do their thing and Treasury is going to do Treasury's thing. Um, it's interesting because, you know, really we're seeing uh, over the last couple of weeks a steepening of the yield curve and long term interest rates rising faster than short term interest rates. Um, and so that's kind of an interesting development as well, because to the extent that some of these Fed officials were worried about, you know, the flattening yield curve, maybe signaling a recession. Now they're saying, okay, maybe that's not such a worry. Um, so you know, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on in, in debt management and and you know all of the the moves across the yield curve that we're seeing right now. Um, I just think there's so much sort of disagreement or or lack of conclusion at the Fed about you know what the implications are or what they mean. And 
it's not clear how much they really care at all at the end of the day. <laughs> and when you make the comparison between how the U.S. maturity is set up and the rest of the world, you have to remember those negative interest rates in Europe. Let's face it, European governments have had every incentive to sell bonds for longer periods right. because then they can ensure that, in essence, they get paid by bond investors for the privilege of having that debt. Right. Yeah, thank you so much. Dave Wilson, Bloomberg Stocks editor, columnist, and blogger at MLive Go, and Matt Bosler. Uh, who covers the Federal Reserve. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg PL podcast. You can subscribe and listen to interviews at Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or whatever podcast platform you prefer. I'm Pim Fox. I'm on Twitter at Pim Fox. I'm on Twitter at Lisa Abramowitz1. Before the podcast, you can always catch us worldwide on Bloomberg Radio.